Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. you for Max that got shot four times last night. I just pray that you will heal him, that you will bring him out of that hospital, that your angels will surround that bed, that your mighty hand will just touch him. And Lord, when he comes out of this, that he will serve you with all his heart. In the name of Jesus, we release all the goodness of God upon that young man. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Glory. Glory. You may be seated. Happy Mother's Day. Oh my God, you guys are so special. Mamas are the greatest thing that ever lived on this earth. I think of my mother, she's uh, 95, going to be 96, and she is my, my everything. She is my everything. She tells me, I'm going to outlast you. Uh, I'm starting to believe it now. <laughs> So I just want to say to you mothers, happy Mother's Day. I hope that you have the greatest day today. Yeah. The greatest time today. I hope the kids treat you right. The cat also treats you right. The dog, the bird, whatever you got, that all of nature will sing for you and just bless your life. Turn your Bible somewhere to the book of Psalms. I want to read a scripture here and probably read some others as we go on. And if you're here for the very first time, welcome. I hope you feel at home. Don't judge us by our appearance. Judge us by what we do for you. The good deeds of God. The good deeds of God. It's always better to judge a person by what they do because you always get to know who they are that way. Hallelujah. Because some people that I meet, they look pretty ugly. And then when I meet them, and they're really kind. They got that wild eye, is what I'm saying. They're wild, and it looks like they want to kill you. But then they go, God bless you. I say, okay, thank you, Jesus. I am glad that you're born again. Hallelujah. Because some people look pretty rough. If I die, you're all going to have to bring a Fanta. I didn't say I'm dying. I said, if I die. So let's say, <laughs> Psalms 85, verse 6. Verse 6. It reads this way. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? I don't know about you, but we're living in the last days. And we are about to experience the greatest power that we ever felt of the Lord. Because the Bible says, in the last days, he will pour out his spirit among all flesh. 
That means that God's explosions are going to take place. Forget about war, forget about the economy. God uses things to bring us to our knees. God uses things to bring us closer to Him. Thank God that He cares for us even in the middle of tragedy. Some people, you know, we've had good leaders, we've had bad leaders, we got all kinds of leaders. But let me tell you something, no matter how bad it looks today, God's still in charge. Still in charge, there's nothing they can do about that. That is the comfort that we have, that there is nothing they can, they can't hurt the Lord. You can't hurt God. He knows everything that's going on. And if, if you were a president and he didn't like you, he would just go like this, bing, and you're done. You're done. Because that's how powerful he is. We're just clay. Just clay. Stuffed with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, are more, sometimes other people are stuffed with more lies than Holy Spirit. All right, you're supposed to say amen to that. <laughs> Let me read the scripture again. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Heavenly Father, thank you. I pray that this morning you will speak to us. I pray that you will stir our spirits up like never before. And Lord, that we will look up and say our redemption draweth nigh. Because you're about to come back. I thank you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless your word and bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice. You know, when you look at our system that we have, we look, that, we look at our system and we have a lot of advertisement. A lot of advertisement. And sometimes the Army, the Navy, the Marines, they put out their advertisement that they're wanting you to be a good man. And they'll tell you that if you join the Army, if you join the Navy, if you join the, the Special Forces, that the Marines, that you will feel good about yourself. And I think all of us feel like, oh man, when I was younger, I wanted to join but I found out I was flat-footed, and I, my mom said, I prayed that your foot will be flat, and you didn't go because I prayed you out. And, you know, watch out when mamas know how to pray. But you can see all the advertisements that they do just to invite you into joining the Army, the Navy, and the Marines, but they never show you how many push-ups you're going to do. They never show you how many times you gotta run around. They never show you the, 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 the power that they're gonna use to break you and to make you into a good, tough, healthy soldier. They never tell you the truth until you sign that dotted line. Then they say, you're all mine now, baby. We are gonna change your mind, we're gonna change your spirit, and we're gonna change your body. And they do a good job. They do a good job. They put you in boot camp and they start working on you. And they start shaping you. And it kind of reminds me of God when he recruits us in. When he calls us to get saved. 
We don't know everything. I don't know about you. When I just got saved, I was happy. I was joyful. I was jumping for joy. And then all of a sudden, all that stopped. And God said, okay, now I'm going to design you the way I want you to be. And that's where the trouble came in when I started kicking against God. Because sometimes God wants us to do certain things and we don't want to do them. And then God puts us to allow certain things to happen so that we can wake up. And, and we have to wake up. And if we love God, we'll stick it out. Just like when you sign the dotted line to go into the army, you, you say, I want to stick it out and I want to see the final product. Let me tell you something. When God deals with a person, he deals with a person so that he can fulfill his will through you. Through you. So if you're going through a lot of stuff, welcome to the army of the Lord. And one of the things that he uses when he starts shaping you is he convicts you. Conviction means that you can be walking around and then all of a sudden you do something wrong that you used to and all of a sudden you feel bad about it. Inside, all of a sudden you burn inside and you say, oh my God, I can't do that no more. And you feel bad and you feel the Holy Spirit being saddening you and you feel like, oh my Lord, what did I do? You cross the line into sin, into sin. You cross the line in not obeying God. And God will see to it that you feel bad. I don't like to feel bad. I want to feel better, but not bad. So it's a constant war against the wiles of the devil, against the enemy that we have called the devil, because he's real. Some people think that he's not real. He's real. And some people don't think that God is real, but he's real. So you and I need to understand that we are in the army of the Lord and God wants us to be faithful to him and wants us to be clean inside. We have to be clean inside. And most of all, when you're convicted, you gotta be honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself and call it out. I messed up, I felt bad. Call your brother, call your sister. I did this. Well, no wonder you felt bad. Why? Because you crossed the line and you're learning that there is a narrow road and then there's a broad road. The broad road leads to destruction and the narrow road leads to everlasting life. So it's a constant training, training, constantly telling yourself, don't do it as against God. How many have ever felt that when God tells you, no, 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 and then you do it anyway and you feel really bad? How many have felt very bad? That's your training. There's nothing wrong with it. That's your training. I like what Sir Winston Churchill said in World War II. He says, he told his people that, that all he had to offer them was blood, sweat, and tears. Blood, sweat, and tears. Well, that's what Jesus did. Blood, sweat, and tears on the cross. And when you come to him, you join the army of the Lord because we serve a God that has resurrected from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for you and I. So God wants us to join his army. And when we join his army, then God begins to develop us, like I say. And one of the areas that he likes to develop you in is in prayer. Prayer is one of the tools that you will love when you start. You start easy, and then you start loving God more, and then you want more, and you want more, and pretty soon you throw an OD, and you still want more. 
So you get addicted to prayer. Prayer is when you pray to God with an honest heart, where you just speak what you feel, Lord, I messed up here, I did wrong, or God, I need strength, I need, uh, I need my mind changed, I need my mind renewed. So you take your time and you pinpoint what you need from God. And you become, you become a person that all of a sudden becomes close to Him. So close that you feel you could pray anywhere. You could be praying while you're driving. You can pray while you're talking. Even when you're talking to a person, you could be praying on the inside, interceding for them, because now you become this war machine that you have. And the power that you have is that you've got a relationship with God, and God answers your prayer right where you're at. You might whisper it. You might say to your family, man, I don't want to see you like that. And you're praying for them on the inside. And then you're communicating to God and you're doing something that is so powerful that pretty soon you see your family also doing the same because they're, they're listening to God. Yeah. So it's important that we learn how to pray. You know, you can pray standing up. You can pray with If you lay down, well, I don't know, but you can do it. Don't do it when you're tired because you'll be snoring and mistake snoring for praying. So you need to learn just to be a person under a rhythm of prayer. Praying always, interceding always, constantly in your, in your innermost part, just doing what God wants you to do. And God will speak to you and tell you no, not yet. He'll tell you stop. Start over, and he'll tell you, okay, now it's time to say what you need to say. And he gives you the perfect words. How many of you have ever felt yourself that after you prayed, you've got all these perfect words. You got this wisdom that you never had. You even get shocked. I can't believe I said that. And then you sound like King Solomon with all this wisdom. And it's not you, but it's God working through you. Working through you because... You, you've accepted that challenge to get to praying. Now, praying is important because you keep your ego in place. You know, some of you think you're big and bad when you're Pee Wee Herman. And God begins to show you that you're living up here in pride when you should be more humbled. How many have ever felt like, oh man, I, you know, Never mind, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's just, in other words, your ego is running. You're number one. And then you develop a big head. You look like a pumpkin head. Then you look like E.T. We're going to have to make those doors a little bit bigger because your head is so big. But prayer changes that. Prayer changes you. It removes all the misconception. It removes all the lies of the devil. It, it brings you down to the level where you understand you're nothing unless God has you where he has you. And then you start learning that and say, man, God, I can't think like that no more. I can't be proudful no more. I can't be pointing the finger at other people. I've got to point them back to me and me live it out so I can be an example to the people. But that takes... That takes prayer, prayer. Tell your neighbor, it's time to pray, neighbor. Yeah. You see, uh, when I was not saved, I prayed, but I only prayed when I got in trouble. 
You know, but sometimes it worked and God helped me in my ignorance, but I prayed. See, prayer begins to change you. It changes you. It changes you. That's why when I don't see people in prayer, I see no change. But when I see people in prayer, I see change. And some people just don't want to pray. They got springs, springs in their knees. They just go, bang. <laughs> springs in their knees. And they just, they just spend, don't spend time with God. They're too busy doing this and doing that. Let me tell you something. The best, more, the best time is spending time with God where you just let your hair down and you cry and you weep and you tell God your honest secrets and you just tell them and nobody's listening. That's why the Bible says walk into your closet, walk into that secret place and you let out whatever's inside of you and nobody is listening. That is between you and God. You and God. That's where God begins to develop your character, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself. You know, when you don't love God, you hate babies. I've seen a lot of people that don't love God, they hate babies, you know. They don't like to bring them up, and I've seen a lot of abuse. But when you pray, you become like a baby because you, when you see God's creation, you just start loving them. You start caressing them. You start loving them. And, and you, you just don't say words, you're so cute. You mean it because they're beautiful kids. So prayer begins to change that character that you are, that, that real you, the real you that only you know. God starts dealing with the real you. The other thing is that conviction comes heavy. God starts convicting you so heavy that you start weeping and asking God, I'm so sorry the way I was. I'm so sorry the way I've been. And right here, I am going to cry it out. And I am just going to live right in your presence. And I'm going to become that man that you changed so I could be that testimony that you want me to have in the world. So that means you break all your habits. Break all your habits. I remember Stella, man. She loved to smoke. She was a smoker. I got saved. She got saved, supposedly. And uh, <laughs> so, so I was praying for her because I, she smelled like smoke. You know, you could smell that cigarette all over. And when you smoke that marijuana, you could smell it also. And, uh, and uh, I, I, I would call her. I said, babe, did you quit smoking? Uh, and she said, yeah, I did, and, and I, I really did, and all that. And then uh, God convicted her. She came home, and I asked her, did you, did you really stop? She says, I'm sorry. While you called me on the phone, I was just lighting up my cigarette. <laughs> I said, Stella, why you do that? You can't be doing that. She says, but I got convicted. I got so convicted that the next time I did it, to try to get the second one, all the matches burned at one time. And it smoked my whole car, the Volkswagen that we had. It smoked it. He says, I got convicted by God. I said, good. If it takes a, a fire and smoke to convince you, I'm great with it. I am great with it. God can use anything. And she came clean, but she was a sincere sinner. She would tell me the truth. She would always tell me the truth. She'd look at me with her green eyes and, I'm sorry. For what? 
I did it again. <laughs> Those were beautiful days that I could look back at. But I saw the habits being broken in her. My habits being broken. And pretty soon both of us were changed. Because the Holy Spirit changed us. It wasn't man pointing the finger that you got to do this, you got to do that. It was the conviction. It was God that took away all those desires. See, we got, God wants us to be more like him. Walk this earth with authority and power. And walk this earth and whatever the devil throws at us, we just say in the name of Jesus, get out of the way, devil. Get out of my mind. Get out of my soul. Get out of my inner being. I will not put up with your garbage. And you start praying. You start interceding and rebuking the devil, rebuking the spirit of the air. You start rebuking him. And pretty soon everything breaks. You walk into the presence of God like if you were walking in the garden of God. You just walk into that anointing and then you stand strong and, and you stand courageous. And then you just say, okay, devil, I'm done with you. I am finding out all your strategies. I am awoken now. I'm awakened now. And I know exactly how you work because of prayer, because of prayer. See, sometimes we think that Logic is so important. It is to function. But it you, need, you don't need it when you're doing God's purposes. Because God deals with your logic. I remember Stella was very logical. Very, very, very. She used to like, hey, Stella, take it easy, man. You know, I was a man of faith, you know. She, she, she couldn't understand it. And she would put all this logic around me. And I said, Stella, that's not the way God works. God has no limits, no limits whatsoever. And she would just look at me and say, I don't understand, but I'm hooking with you. And as we go together, we're going to learn. That's what she would tell me. She's a wise lady. She already had me hooked, but she wanted to hook with me <laughs> in the spiritual. In the spiritual, that's what I'm saying. God, God wants to do something Beautiful. Now I want to take you to the book of Gideon, the book of Judges, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 2. And here is Gideon with a large, large army. He's got 20, he's got, he's got quite a bit of men around him. Uh, he's got like 30, 32,000 men around him. And, you know, the Lord is too much when he's speaking to you. And in verse 2, it says these words, And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give you, give you the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel, listen to this, lest Israel boast themselves against me, saying, my own hands have saved me. Not something. And the Lord puts it right there. He says, unless the Midian, you know, what did I say? I got my notes here. Oh, yeah, I didn't finish. That's what it is. I these computers. So anyway, there was two. He says, you, you, I'm not going to give you the victory like that. I'm going to deal with you and I'm going to do something inside of you. And in verse three, it says, now, therefore, go and proclaim in the ear of the people, saying, whosoever is feel, fearful and afraid, let them return and depart early to Mount Gilead and their return of the people, 20 and 2000 and there remain only a thousand. So anybody that was fearful, anybody that was un, uh, fearful and afraid, he says, 
Get rid of them. Let them go. And they left. They left. He ended up with only 10,000 people. And now the logic kicks in. So have you ever felt like God does something to you and it doesn't make any sense? It, this didn't make any sense. You got rid of all these people and now you left me with 10,000 and I'm going after this big king and now I have a small little army. Logic is a demonic force against faith. But God has to train us. In verse 6, now listen to this. And the number of them that lift, he's going he's to give them instruction, that lifted, putting their hand to their mouth. Whether there were 300 men, but all of the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink. So here's the pi picture. He says, anybody that goes down there to, to just lick the water with their whole body, in other words, they kneel down and their whole body goes and they drink water. But those that get it and, and get it in their hands and drink it, they're lookers. They're lookers. They're just not getting water and not looking around with the enemy. He says, I want you to get rid of those and you're going to keep only 300 men. So now the logic is, how am I going to do it with 300 men? He says, I am the Lord God and I change not. So I'm going to give you the victory against these people with 300 men. Let me tell you something. God can multiply your money. I'm going to say it again. God can multiply your money. And, and, and here's where I get off that you got to believe. When God says the tithe is holy, 10% of God's money. So if I make $110 belong to him, if the tithe is holy, he says, I will supply all of your needs. If you give me 10, I will make sure that you will be well taken care of. Now listen to me. I started with 10. I, I complained. Stella started first. She started first. She got rid of her logic and she says, I'm giving. I said, how come you always have money? He says, because I give to God. I said, a changed woman. Now I'm behind. He says, because I decided to give to God what belonged to God. He says, Reuben, you have holes in your pockets. Money does not last because you're not honoring God and you're a person of God and you're not honoring because you live in logic. She hit me with that. You live with logic. And finally, I got it. I, I was broke all the time. When my check hit, it was all gone. So I had to borrow from her. And she would tell me, hey, you make plenty of money. Give your tithe to God. Oh, my God. I looked at her. I said, I kill you. <laughs> I want to kill you. <laughs> That's what my flesh said. I didn't say it and I didn't do it. But I started learning my lesson and I started giving to God what belonged to God a long time ago. 50 years ago. And God started blessing me and blessing me and blessing me because I removed my logic away and I placed my faith in Christ Jesus to obey the word. To obey the word. So God gave Gideon 
that, that, that those 300 men, they were powerful men. They were army. They were well-disciplined men. And they took over all the land there and they accomplished a whole lot. So God is looking for men that will remove his, their logic, that you will remove everything in your mind and you start obeying the laws of God. You can kill the inflation. The minute you start, this is holy, you will kill the inflation. The cucarachas will not leave. <laughs> Must have a lot of cucarachas here. I don't know why they're laughing. Because to us, Two plus two is four. For us, for God, two plus two might be four million. When you give to God. And when you do what God wants you to do. But Gideon won because he had disciplined men that were obeying God. Let me take you to the book of Ezekiel now. 37. And this always blows my mind. Because God takes Ezekiel to the dry bones. Now you got to picture this. There is dry bones everywhere. Ezekiel is looking at it, and he's just looking at all these dry bones. The desert has ruined all the bones. All the bones. And Ezekiel was going to have revival in the bone, in the bone yard. See, our world is cursed, but God takes away the curse when we obey him. Our world is dead, but God takes away the deadness out of us. Our world is cursed, but God takes that curse away and gives us life because we are the men and the women of God and God pays attention to us. You see, we're looking at a world right now that is sleeping. We see the politicians are turning more gay now than ever. We see that a lot of our morals are going down the drain. Come on, somebody. Spiritual Satan worshipers are right in front of us now. They are teaching our, our schools Satan. They're teaching all kinds of things. They sit there with horns there and they teach them Satan things, Satan rituals. Let me tell you something. I wonder what happened. What happens when a person falls asleep? You allow the devil to come in with all this false doctrine. They're removing the Bible out of the way. Why? Because they don't want our eyes open. Let me tell you something. We're going to have revival because we have our eyes open. Our eyes open. And this church will stand through anything. It'll stand through anything. Because we've been born again. God called us. We're doing what God wants us to do. And sometimes we just got to get drunk. We got to get drunk. So when we get drunk in the Lord, you can get drunk. Well, I want to say the bar's open. Holy Ghost bar's open. I'm coming. You know, I've never seen a drunk act sophisticated. Never seen one. They try, but a guy that likes to drink, he will drink until he spends all his money. He will get out of that bar and he will be, you know, todo sonso. <laughs> Where are you going, John? Ah, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Are you drunk? No, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm making home. I said, what happened to Christians getting drunk? The drunks don't get offended. The drunks do weird things. And us as people, we're going to have to get drunk once in a while. 
And I'm not talking about wine. I'm not talking about liquor. I'm talking about getting filled with the Spirit of God. Where we all of a sudden get out of ourselves and get to praising God and don't care what anybody says about us. I mean, I liked drugs before when I was younger. I loved them. And I wasn't ashamed. I liked to get high. And look at you weird, eh? Who are you? I thought, who are you? What are you? What, what, are, what are those things you worry, sister? Those flappers that kill mosquitoes. I see they're coming back now. And there's nothing wrong. They're sexy, but when you high, you know, you don't care. You say whatever you want to say. You don't care. Come on, somebody. Am I saying the truth? Ladies, you are worse than the guys. <laughs> so I think we need an OD in the Holy Ghost. We need to stop being ashamed of doing what's right. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power unto salvation. So we need to get crazy. There's no more noise in the house. There is no more power in the house. Hey, we need glory in the house. We need some demon possessed people to get those demons out. We get some people that are shouting for God that do not care no more. That's what we need. That's what we need. We're not sissies. We are the children of the living God. We don't live there. We don't live there. So here's Ezekiel. And in verse 3, he takes them there to the bones. And God tells him these words, can these bones live? And he answered, oh God, thou knowest. Thou knowest. Now, I don't know about you, but this is insane to go in there and to see all these bones there dried up by the desert. They're falling apart. And then here's the question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he was smart. He says, you say? That's a smart answer. You say? I mean, he's probably in his life. He's looking at these bones and saying, wow, God's asking me, can these bones live? So I throw it back at him. Thou say it. Thou say it. Sometimes we got to put the word back. If you said it, then it's going to happen. Yeah. We shouldn't be questioning. If he said it, yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. And he, he was looking at these dry bones. I know I would be looking at those dry bones and say, man, can these bones live? Really? And then God lays it in verse 7. He says, prophesy. Prophesy as I have commanded in verse 7. As I have commanded, prophesy. So, listen, the word of God is nigh in your mouth. It is all over your body. It's all over your soul. If you've been reading the Bible, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. Don't be afraid of no demon-possessed person. You get that person that says, you need deliverance. Get over here. Let me cast out those devils out of you. I'm going to get those dry bones out of you. Those demonic forces out of you. I'm going to see you live. I'm going to see you live. Thou say it, Lord. So he said, command them. And he probably looked at them, looked at all those bones. There's no eyes. There is no nose. There is no mind. There is no life. They can't even eat. They're just bones. 
And I've got to prophesy to those bones that I'm going to look like a madman. He didn't even say that. He did not say. He had what we call virgin purity of the word of God. Virgin. He was a virgin. God, if you said it, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And as he started prophesying, the Bible says that there was noise. There were rattling. They were close together and they started rattling in the middle of the desert. Can you imagine that hearing the rattling of a bunch of bulls that represented Israel? They were rattling. In other words, Israel's dead, but they're going to live again. They're going to live again. This whole place is dead, but they're going to live again. They're going to live again. But, but it's going to have to be a rattling in the house of God. There's going to have to be a rattling in the house of God. Where it's so radical that anything is possible for God to do what he's going to do. God is looking for some noise. Come on. Let's give him some noise. Let's give him a shout. This bones are going to live. Out of the patio, this bones are going to live. They're going to live. They're going to live. Hallelujah. We're going to live. We're going to live. We're going to live. Woo. Oh, Ezekiel probably felt like a fool, but when those bones started rattling, oh, Lord. Rattling because he had this virgin purity of speaking the word of God. He was like a baby listening to God. But as he listened to God, he also heard the bones rattle. They were rattling. The head bone is connected to the neck bone. The neck bone is connected to the shoulder bone. The shoulder bone is connected to the backbone. So then there was an exceedingly great army standing up of skeletons. Can you imagine that? Ezekiel is looking like, oh my God. Skeletons there. And then God started adding everything, the skin, the tissue, everything, everything. He says, what do you see? He says, I see a great and mighty army. Listen to me. You're here. Let me tell you this. You're here because there's been a lot of prayer. There's been a lot of prayer. A lot and lots 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 a lot of prayer. That's why the bones are here. That's why God is resurrecting an army for these last days. Well, these last days, we are called for these last days. People that do not care, that got that cycle looking them. Where are you, fool? I'm going to get you. Just radical, radical. I'm going to win you. I'm going to testify to you. I'm going to get you into the house of God. I'm going to see that you're going to be a brand new person. So you are radical because now you're prophesying what God is saying, not what you're saying. So listen to verse 10. And I prophesied as I was commanded, commanded me. The breath came unto them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Exceedingly great army. Let me, let me tell you, I, I see this. I see it with Edgy. He was a crazy guy. I kept them with me. He was crazy. 
Stella was always mad at him. He was crazy. He lived with me, ate with me, slept there in our house. He was crazy. But today when he steps behind a pulpit, he's a man of God. Why? These bones shall live. When I see John Torres, when I see Manuel, when I see these guys standing up, I see a great exceedingly army and all the rest of them all over where we have them. Let me tell you something. This night did not come easy. It came by prayer. It came by fasting because revival starts that way. When logic is completely removed and faith is everything. Then we get to see what God wants to do. Some of you ladies, I'm watching you right now, you were crazy. Amen. You look real tender and everything, and thank God that you are. I'd rather see you that way than the other way. See, I came for a life where the, cholo, the cholas, where they had these big old stacks like that. And you know, when the chola walked in, that meant that it was going to have a fight. And guess, guess what they had inside the stack? Razor blades. Razor blades. We had a lot of respect for those cholas, especially that big old bun they had. And then the the flappers. And the guys too, but Today, we're living in a different day. A whole different day. But God's still moving. God's, God goes after human beings. But he will fish deep inside to get the worst of the worst so that he can glorify his name. Glorify his name. So, we're going to have to get that logic out of the way. And see beyond of what we're seeing today. Listen, this fight is getting good. It's getting good. Everything that you see in TV, it's a fight against good and evil. Good and evil. It's no longer a middle thing. Now it's good and evil. You choose either evil or you choose what God says. And it's rising. And I don't think, I think that we are about to have the biggest revival that we've ever seen in the United States. <clears throat> We're not going to lose. We are not going to lose. We are not going to lose. If God be for us, who can be against us? We are not going to lose. We serve a mighty God. And if he opened the Red Sea, he will open it again and do what he has to do. Got to remove the logic. When you kneel down and you say, I don't think so-and-so can get, oh, yes, I can. I'll believe it that God is going to get a hold of him and turn his life around because I believe it. And it's going to happen because I see it, not in my logic, I see it in my spirit that they're going to come whether they like it or not. God will cause circumstances to arise. But we need people that are always praying, always seeing what God sees. Any, any negative that I see, I said, no, I don't want it. People speak it, I don't want it. I just don't tell them, I just, I don't want it. In my mind, I'm already ejecting everything. Just ejecting everything. I just want to see 
what God sees, that's what matters to me. If I have 10 demon-possessed people that got delivered, that's enough for me. Because they'll bring me another 20 demon-possessed people. And it'll start multiplying again. So if you think that your husband's demon-possessed, maybe you're right. Maybe I said. Don't go say, Pastor said that you're demon I didn't say that. I'm just saying it's not impossible. It is not impossible. In the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32, I love this. It says, And of the children of Eschrush, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. And the head of them were 200, and all of the brethren were at their command. Understanding of the time. These people were spiritual. Spiritual. They were, they were seen way beyond. They did not move just by circumstances. They did not move when they would hear a speech. They would only move when God spoke to him. That was the only time they moved. And they had an army of men that were following them. But these were men that were leaders among the people that could understand the times that they were living in. And they were wise men. They understood what was happening also in the temple. And they would call upon God. And they would give command to the, the armies that they had. And we need more spiritual people that can see. But we need people that are living in a reality, dealing with people, but also at the same time, they could see everything that's going on. Listen to me. You are those people. You, you've been born again. You could be one of those people because you could see what is wrong and what is right. And when God says when to move, you move. You move. Not by emotions, but because you, you know the voice of God. Remember John, Peter and John, when they walked out of the temple, it says that they were going there to pray all the time. But this one time they walked out. Hallelujah. One time they walked out and there was a beggar there. And they finally looked at him. And God changed the atmosphere around them and changed their heart. He says, what do you need? He was asking for alms. He says, I don't have alms. But such I have in the name of Jesus. Put his hand there and pick them up. Rise and be healed. And that paralytic person was healed. Was he, why? Because they understood the times they were living in. Understand the times. People of God, understand. Get hungry for the Word of God. Get into prayer. Get into believing. Because the Word of God is nigh in your mouth if you use it. If you use it. If you use it. And I'll finish with this. I was in Texas and I was working there with Pastor Freddie, running, running around 50 churches, just spending time teaching them and everything. And God told me in a dream, get back to California. And I called Stella, hey, you ready to start a church in California? No. I didn't get mad, but because I know that ladies are sensitive to God. And then I called her again, again, the same dream. I said, Stella, are you ready? 
She said, no, no. I said, okay, no problem, keep working over here. The third time, the dream was, Reuben, if you don't get back, you're gonna lose your inheritance. And I called Stella, I said, are you ready? I'm ready. You notice that the times change, the word change. And I got here and I told Stella, okay, we're gonna go through hell on this one. But I want you to hold my hand and we're gonna do it together until we die. And she did. And now, there's over 50 churches and this happened 23 years ago. I mean, that's a large multiplication. Multiplication. And I'm just counting, I'm just counting what we have here in the U.S. I'm not counting the other 50 that we have up in the Philippines. But if I had not listened, if I had not been sensitive to what God was saying, I don't think I would be here and I don't think you would be here. Yeah, and, and we, we, we gotta get back to listening to God and get rid of our logic and stay where God wants us. Reinforce this church, all of you, reinforce this church. Stay where God has you. Don't move from there, just stay there. And if God's calling you, calling you you stay there until God picks you up, picks you up like a little kitty and tells you, okay, you're separated now. And I'm going to use you, but I'm going to redesign you now. And God's calling all of us here. We have the privilege to live in these last days. Woo! I said we have the privilege, the chosen ones, to live in these last days. And we need... We need to have this shield on us, this power in us to accomplish what we can accomplish. God says, I'll accomplish through you. I will do it through you. I want us to stand right now. Hallelujah. I want you to lift up your hands with you, not just one without doubt and one without wrath. That's what the scripture says, one without doubt and one without wrath. In other words, God is not mad at me and I am not doubting that he could do whatever he said to do. I want you to close your eyes and say with me, in the name of Jesus, I stand in your house, believing your word. And right now, I release the anointing upon our families that you will go after them, that you will put me in the right place when they're ready. In the name of Jesus, I claim them all. I claim them all. In the name of Jesus, wherever they're at, we loosen the angels upon their lives. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the miracle that's taken place in the name of Jesus. Now give them a clap offering and a shout. Glory, glory, glory.